And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Dr. R.C. Sproul, Jr. He is a professor at Reformation Bible College, and he also has a very active podcast. Uh, Dr. Sproul, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be with you. You know, one of the things uh, we go through as listeners, um, as people in our lives, are losses. And I know, Dr. Sproul, you've been through a number of losses in your life, and I can't think of a more appropriate subject to uh, address today, and that is, how could we encourage fellow believers, when they go through losses, of what their focus is to be and what their hope is to be? And I wonder if you could get us started on that today. Sure, I'd be happy to, to take a look at that. I, I'm, uh, I, I can tell you that my experience has been that many people in the context of hardship and loss feel a kind of tension in their lives where, on the one hand, uh, they are very naturally uh, sad, they're in mourning, uh, and on the other hand, they feel some sort of obligation to recognize God's sovereignty and to rest in his sovereignty and to be at peace over his providence. And they, they have this tendency to, to look at these two things as if they're in tension with each other. You know, uh, since my wife died uh, a little bit more than three years ago and my, my uh, teenage daughter died uh, less than a year after that, uh, I get people asking me all the time, you know, how are you doing, R.C.? Uh, how, are the, how are the children doing? And you know, my answer is is I, I, part of the my answer to that question is part of how I would answer your question. That is, typically my answer is we're sad, like we're supposed to be. There's not uh, anything wrong or sinful about being sad in the context of God's providence. Jesus Himself was sad uh, many times throughout His life. But what we've done, one of the mistakes we've made uh, in our age, is to look at uh, our emotional status on a particular spectrum that just doesn't fit. Uh, in the opposite of sad is happy. And happy, if you rightly understand its, its root word, it comes from the, the same root by, from which we get the word happenstance. And that sort of gives you a hint about what it means. We think happy is just a generic term for a positive uh, emotional circumstance. Uh, but really, what happiness is, is a uh, finding yourself in a circumstance that you find pleasing to you. It's a much more passive thing. It has to do with happenstance, what's going on around you. Uh, to give you a, a comparatively petty example, uh, I'm a lifelong, deep, deep fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers football team. And for anybody who follows uh, the NFL, they would likely know that the Steelers were briefly uh, in the playoffs this particular year. And that was a happy happenstance. When the Steelers made the playoffs, I was in a happy place. And then when they lost in the first round of the playoffs, not only did they lose, they lost to their arch rivals. Uh, all of a sudden, I found myself in a not-so-happy happenstance. Uh, my mood was more cheerful when we were in, less cheerful when we were out. But that's not the same thing as uh, the the presence or absence of joy. Joy, according to the Scripture, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the things that we're called to, we're, we're, and Paul calls us to rejoice in all things. And again, he says rejoice. So joy is not a synonym for happy. 
Joy, I've described this. Joy is the settled conviction that God is able and that God is for us. Joy is the settled conviction. That is, I'm not worrying about it. I'm not sweating it. I'm, I'm, I'm c- confident in it. The settled conviction that God is able, that is, God has all power, and that God is for us. That is, God, that is, for those of us who are in Christ, He is for us. He, he intends good for us. But the good that He intends for us is not the same thing as happiness. The good that he intends for us is the remaking us into the image of his son, who the scripture says was a man well acquainted with sorrow. So when I'm sad over my losses, I'm not angry at God like he's done something wrong. In fact, one of the uh, sort of sub-counsel uh, that I give in this context is this, and I, I give it to myself. I think to myself, you know, uh, the more I feel the weight of the loss of my wife and my daughter, the more I should feel gratitude for the blessing of having them, having had them been a part of my life for the years that they were. That is, you know, God didn't owe me this wonderful woman that he gave me. And when I look back over my life, I don't think my life is defined by the three years that I've been without her now. But rather, as of, over the last 20 years, for 17 of those years, God made her my wife. I mean, how, how fortunate, how blessed is that? And the same thing with respect to my daughter. The 15 years with her, that's God's grace. But also, even God taking her. Let me, let me go another step further and illustrate in that point with respect to my daughter. See, my daughter Shannon uh, was born profoundly disabled. And although we didn't know it until she was about one year old and she wasn't hitting her benchmarks for development, and at that point an MRI showed that her, her brain was uh, pretty significantly malformed, and we knew that her life expectancy was going to be uh, you know, much lower than the normal life expectancy, but we didn't know anything specific. We didn't know specifically when God would call her home. And I used to remember, I, I used to tell myself this, that 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 God's plan, that God will call Shannon home when he is done using her in our lives. That God gave us Shannon to show us what childlike faith looks like. In fact, uh, my, my most recent book is called The Call to Wonder. And the, the function of this book is to sort of explore what does it mean to have a childlike faith that Jesus calls us to when he says you must be like one of these children. And I look at different qualities of what childlike faith is, but there's an entire chapter devoted to Shannon and describing her as my spiritual better. She was more sanctified than me, even though she had the mind of a one-year-old, even when she was 15. She was my teacher, and I was the student, because she was showing me. When I would hold out my hand, and she would put her hand in mine with this deep sense of, of trust and confidence, I thought, my stars, this girl trusts me so deeply, and I'm such a horrible sinner. How you know? I, when I put my hand up, and, or when my father puts his hand out, and I put my hand in his, my heavenly father is a perfect father. He loves me perfectly. How much more should I trust him? Which again brings us back to this situation. We've got to be persuaded that God is able. That is, that none of the things that befall us, none of the losses, none of the things that we're grieving over, none of these are outside God's control. 
when my wife was was sick and and uh, things were looking pretty grim and we were starting to lose hope for her getting well she would she would ask me with some regularity uh, you know do you do you think I'm going to die soon and I would tell her this I would say dear I have no idea if I told her this the day before she died when she's in hospice she's getting no treatment She's in hospice, and she asked me again, do you think I'm going to die? Or she actually she said, do you think God can heal me? And I said, absolutely, he can. Mm. The question is, well, and, and, but he may not. I don't know. What I do know is you will not live one day longer than God ordained for you to live, and nor will you live one day less than God ordained for you to live. The Scripture says that he numbered your days. He made that decision. And he is your father, and he's my father. And if he calls you home, sweetheart, he's doing this because he loves you. The strange thing is, the hard thing for me, but it's true, I know it's true, it's objectively true, when he does this, when he calls you home, he's going to do this because he loves me, and because he loves our children. All of these things are tools in God's hands by which he's, by which he's giving us the most precious, most valuable, most important thing that could ever be, which is to remake us into the image of His Son. When we have that perspective, that we're here for that purpose as believers, that that the best gift there can be would be to become more like Jesus, then when God uses hardships to bring that to pass, we're able, one, to acknowledge the hardship. It is hard. But we acknowledge it in the context of joy, that confidence in the settled conclusion that he's for us and that he's able. Mm. Well, that's very helpful. Uh, today we're talking with Dr. R.C. Sproul, Jr., and our discussion is about losses and about grief and losing loved ones. Um, Dr. Sproul, one of the questions that pops into my mind is that suppose I'm... I haven't lost someone recently, but I have a close friend who has. Um, I want to avoid petty statements, unfeeling statements. Um, any guidance there on how to comfort a friend who is going through a loss? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, thoughts on, on that. But the first thing I want to encourage people, and I, I know I've, I've been on both sides of this, and I know that one of the greatest fears that people have is that they might say the wrong thing. And yet they also feel a compelling need to say something. Well, I can tell you that in all of my losses and all of the folks that I spoke to about them, never once have I walked away from a conversation angry or upset at somebody. There were times when people said things that were probably not exactly the right thing to say. But again, I understand people are nervous. People are uptight. They're, they're, they don't know what to say. So, so, so one, we, we need to encourage one another to be patient with each other. Uh, two, we need to be, encourage each other not to be so fearful, not to, not to walk on eggshells. That's really one of the, one of the hardest things to deal with from the person in the context of the loss. People act differently towards you. People act uncomfortable around you. Uh, and that can be really, really hard. It can be actually make you feel quite, quite lonely. Uh, you know, when, when my wife passed away, uh, it was early on a Sunday morning at uh, hospice, and I drove home uh, before the rest of the children, or before the children were up. And when they were up, I gathered them together in the living room. I told them that their mother had passed. And I told them a couple things. I said, one, please understand 
that you're allowed to be sad. We're going to miss mom, and it's, it's, we love her, and it's hard to be without her. So you're allowed to be sad. But I said, two, you're allowed to have fun. If you, you're allowed to do things that you enjoy. If you're in the middle of a, a, a novel that you like and you curl up in bed and keep reading that novel, and if there's a funny scene in the novel that makes you laugh, you are not betraying your mother if you laugh. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed to enjoy the normal things. If there's a kind of food that you like, you're not betraying your mother if you say, mmm, that's really good. There's not, you know, we're not going to have... Uh, this sort of chasing around our feelings and measuring them and seeing if they're uh, allowable. So you, you, you be you. That's what you, you need to do. So again, and I would encourage people to not be afraid to, to tell a joke. Now that said, the understanding that I would hope that my friends would have towards me uh, is a recognition that I'm still in this context of hardship. I'm still in this context of sadness. And I may not have the sense of humor I, that you may be used to. I may not be as comfortable and at ease as I used to be. I can tell you this. One of the things that I learned in the loss of my wife that was just amazing to me was the reality of the biblical image of being one flesh, the, the oneness of husband and wife. And one of the ways that that came to me uh, was to sort of discover all the things that my wife did for me that I sadly didn't uh, recognize and, or at least sufficiently recognize and honor and be thankful for. Uh, one of my weaknesses is I'm a profoundly shy man, and I'm very uncomfortable in most social circumstances. Uh, people find that really hard to believe because I'm able to do an interview on the radio, or I'm able to give a sermon in front of thousands of people. That doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, but put me in front of two people, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> and uh, when uh, the first time we decided to have company, my wife was just a great hostess and loved to have families over for, for meals. And uh, I don't know, six months or a year after her passing, I thought, well, we, we need to keep doing that. That's the right thing to do. And we invited some very dear friends, people I love uh, profoundly and who just ministered to my family in a million different ways. We invited them over, and you know, about every 30 minutes, I had to go hide in my room for 10 minutes. I, I only had enough stamina to do 20 minutes at a time yes. in front of people, even people that I, that I was close to and comfortable with. And I thought, oh, my stars, my, my wife in these kinds of situations, I knew she was a help to me. I knew that, that she was a security blanket for me, but I didn't know she was carrying me through all of these social situations. Right. And when she was gone, I, you know, I, I was up, you know, in a wheelchair, unable to move. Uh, so, so be understanding of things that... Of, of this scope of loss and this, this really bewilderment for those in a place of loss. Uh, to, to live as half a person after two have become one, it's just really, really hard. I'll, I'll give you two more qu- quick examples that are really part of my life very recently. Uh, in the last, uh, well, less than a week ago, uh, my firstborn daughter who was married uh, in March, she gave birth to my first grandchild. Now, you can't imagine a happier thing than that, to have your first grandchild, and it is a happy thing, absolutely. But to go through that without my wife uh, is, 
again a deep challenge. Now, just two weeks before that, my second-born child, my first-born son, he got married. So here I am reaching this stage in life where my children are going through these kinds of uh, rites of passage, and it's a joyful thing and it's a happy thing, but because it's such an emotional thing, uh, it's also a painful thing. I, I realize that you know when you're when you're going through your day with a broken heart, the less you feel, the easier it is. But when you come into strong emotional situations like a grandchild, like a, a wedding, then all of a sudden the brokenness of your heart uh, shows itself uh, in deep pain. So again, I'd encourage people to be to be patient. That doesn't mean again be weird. It just means be patient, be understanding. Don't I'm never ever you never want to do this. To, you know, tell them to snap out of it. No. Now, okay, one, but that, there's, a, there's a corollary to that that's important also. You mentioned in, in introducing the question, you don't want to say anything uh, trite or uh, unfeeling. And those are not necessarily the same things. I, I've heard people say, well, you know, when someone's suffering, you never want to just drop a Bible verse on them. You never just want to say, well, you know, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And that just breaks my heart to hear people say, not that text, but that that text is something you shouldn't use. When else should you use that text <laughs> than when someone's in a context of, of, of hardship and sorrow? It's the Bible's truth. It's not trite. It's true. Now, you can say it without entering into their, their hardship, and that's a bad thing. But you can also say it by in, in trying to lead them out of the hardship, because, again, being sad is okay. Being angry, in my judgment, is never okay when we're angry at God. Again, he doesn't owe us anything. We are in ourselves rebels against him. And to have this posture that, God, somehow, by taking my wife or taking my child, you have given me less than I'm due. You've caused me to suffer more than what is owed to me. Is it sheer insanity? I'm a sinner. And so I have no standing to be angry at God. And of course it's true that most married couples grow old together, and I lost my wife while she was young. Of course it's true that most parents are buried by their children and don't bury their children, and I had to do that. But that doesn't mean God owed me a lifetime with my wife or a lifetime with my daughter. Mm. He doesn't owe me those things, and he's given me far and above all that I could ever hope or imagine. So again, I, I want to be careful that we encourage honesty. We can allow for our sadness, but we have to stay well clear of anger or bitterness toward God. Mm. Oh, great point, great point. Um, we have maybe um, seven minutes left, and uh, before I forget, Dr. Sproul, I would love for you to share with our listeners a blog that you have online and how to get that podcast. Uh, would you do that, please? Absolutely. It's very, very simple. You can uh, sign up for my blog pieces. You can uh, connect to my podcast, which you can download it through iTunes. But the, the way to get connected to it uh, is through my website, which is just rcsproljr.com. If you don't know how to spell Sproul, it's S-P-R-O-U-L. So rcsproljr.com takes you to that place. Actually, uh, actually, my most recent uh, blog piece that just came out actually deals with 
this sorrow uh, and these two life-changing events in my life and the absence of my wife uh, in those events. And uh, all of my podcasts this week, uh, which uh, if you re- remember, I believe it's Wednesday, is the 42nd anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. So all of the podcasts this week uh, touch on the abortion um, har- uh, great tragedy in our day. Mm, okay, that's very helpful. So, again, that uh, website is rcsproljr.com. And the name of your podcast is what again? Jesus Changes Everything. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, I This is not rehearsed. One question I had, Dr. Sproul, in the last five minutes remaining, um, I'm wondering is, um, you can talk about whatever you want, but I... This is a question I have. Was there a role in your healing and continued healing that word and sacrament played, that is, the worship with God's people? Oh, my stars, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can cover that in, in, in the next five minutes, uh, but I'll, I'll do the best that I can. <laughs> I mentioned that my wife passed on an uh, early Sunday morning, and uh, I... I at the time, uh, attended St. Andrew's Chapel here in Orlando, that was a pretty large church, about uh, twelve or 1,500 members. My father is the senior minister of preaching there, and so I'm pretty well-known. My family's well-known. My wife was well-known. People knew about her illness, knew about what were praying for her, and served us all so faithfully during my wife's illness. And that particular Sunday, this is December 18th, 2011, uh, after I spoke with my children, I put on my jacket and tie and went to church. And I had a lot of people sort of ask me, what was your thought process here? And I, and I said, well, one, it wasn't just this is, what, this is the next thing to do. It's Sunday morning. This is what we do Sunday morning. Uh, but what it was was where else would I want to be? I have the opportunity in the midst of this hardship to be among God's people who care about me. I have the opportunity in the midst of this hardship to be reminded of the glorious gospel truth of the resurrection. I have the opportunity, according to Hebrews chapter 12, to, as a part of the church militant, to be lifted up to the true and eternal Mount Zion, to the souls of just men and just women made perfect. Mm. So I didn't just go to church. I went to heaven, mm. to be with my wife. Mm, beautiful. Now, with my daughter, because of her inability to speak, she was never able to give a verbal profession of faith, and so she never was able to feed upon the body and the blood of Christ. But in the church where I served for most of her life, uh, in that particular church, we celebrate the Lord's Supper every week, and we come forward to receive the bread and the wine. And every Sunday, we had a, our own little liturgy, me and Shannon. Uh, she would come forward, and she would kneel there at the kneeling bench, and I would draw close to her, and I would whisper in her ear these two truths. Shannon and I would say, Jesus is here, and Jesus loves you. Mm. And after she went... Uh, since she's been gone, I struggle when I come to the table with wanting to be with her Mm. instead of our Savior. But at the same time, 
there's this sense in which when I'm there, I am with her. And she whispers in my ear, Daddy, Jesus is here. <laughs> and Jesus loves you. So I'm uh, very much aware of how uh, the worship of the living God, as it's designed by him, the means of grace that he's placed before us, how these things uh, are not only a great comfort to, to me, not just, not just the true words help me, but that God acts in space and time through bread and wine. Uh, through uh, the, the words of the preacher, that God does these things, and by these things I continue in this process by which I'm made more into his image. And once a week I get to enter into eternity as I'm lifted up mm. into the heavenly places. Mm. Uh, it's always been something profoundly precious to me when I had my wife and when I had my daughter, but how much more so uh, when it becomes not only a meeting with Jesus, but a reunion for our family. Mm, beautiful. Today we've been talking with Dr. R.C. Sproul, Jr., and we're talking about losses in this life, loved ones passing on. And uh, Dr. Sproul, uh, thank you so very much. Um, if uh, if a listener would like to send a question, uh, typically we'll have it sent to ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. I'll forward it to Dr. Sproul if that's the case. But we would encourage you, dear listener, to check out his website. It's found at rcsprolljr.com. And particularly, sign up for his podcast. It's called Jesus Changes Everything. Dr. Sproul, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Quick reminder to our listeners, please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 